McGinn delivers. Quinn! Paul Quinn has done it! Now they are believing! It was time to deliver for Aberdeen! That's the way to go about it! Even with ten men! Good evening, welcome back to the latest of the By The Minute AFC podcasts. Uh, my name is Martin Clunas, we've got a packed show again for you this evening. Um, I'm joined as always by our regular Richard Hay. How are you doing there Richard? I'm doing well, thanks Martin. Good, good. And we have a special guest again this evening, we have poker player, sports psychologist, well he's our Italian football correspondent as well, we've got Christy Keaton back on the show, welcome back. Thanks for having me back Martin, nice to be here. No, no problem at all. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Now, as I said earlier on, we've got a packed show tonight. But first, we're going to talk about Saturday's match. Uh, away to Hibernian. First time we've played them in the league for a few seasons. A solid 1-0 victory, Richard, extending our undefeated league run to nine games. A third clean sheet in a row. Not wholesale changes yet again. McKenna and Arneson again in the centre of defence. Um, only change was Gary McKay-Steven in for Stewart, which was a fairly obvious kind of swap, I thought, wasn't it? Um, in some respects, it meant Ryan Christie played a bit further back um, alongside Kenny McLean as part of, um, you call it a three if you want, uh, midfield, or it, it's really more of a 4-1-2 with uh, Anthony O'Connor playing directly in front of the back two and those two midfielders sitting a little bit further forward. Um, obviously, we're going to miss Ryan Christie for the Celtic game, but and we'll come to that later on, but I think this formation we've kind of landed upon following the Motherwell Cup defeat... That position is kind of set up brilliantly for Greg Tandy to play. Uh, the way we played last season, I couldn't really see a, a direct place for Greg Tandy in the team, but if we keep this formation, I think Tandy can play alongside McLean as one of those two. Anyway, I think we were a bit surprised maybe to see Gary McKay-Steven come in and get the start on Saturday, but he certainly repaid the faith that uh, McKinnon has placed in him. Earlier, before the goal, he had a pretty decent opportunity as well to get something a bit more concrete on target, and as well as having a, a snapshot fairly early on from a good Adam Rooney Ryan Christie move, which just went past the post. So he was heavily involved in that first half, and I thought that first half really showcased a lot of what we had been good at under Derek McInnes. We were solid, we used the ball very well, Ryan Christie was inventive, Kenny McLean was good, Kenny McLean was getting involved in a lot of attacking moves, and again, that's something we've been super critical of him here lately. So that first half, a lot to like. I think we got a bit more, understandably, a bit more into a shell as the second half went on. But again, we can come to that later. You're right to mention Kenny McLean there. Now, you mentioned earlier on today, Richard, on the Twitter feed about the goal. Um, it comes from having a centre-back who's comfortable on the ball and can pick out a pass. With just a wonderful ball, something we've been kind of we've been screaming out for for a long time. A kind of player that can do that. That ball from Kenny McLean through as well. Uh, We've, like you mentioned there, we've been very critical of him on this on the show, but uh, Christy, he had a he had a fantastic game. It's probably one of his best game in a long time for Aberdeen, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, McLean's a terrific player. I, I actually, you guys um, give him a fair bit of stick, and I guess he he warrants it as one of our more um, senior players. But I'm I'm definitely in um, Team Kenny. I think he's a quality player. I think that. 
the Rangers links over the summer has kind of coloured a lot of our fans' impressions of him. And now, anytime he, you know, he's not eight out of ten, people have been tweeting about that he's, you know, his, his head's at Ibrox and what have you. I just don't think much in his demeanour um, has suggested that. I think he loves every second of it at Pitozzi. We saw Ryan Jack saying exactly the same thing um, after, about McLean um, after Jack had moved to Ibrox and um, Jack was being asked about whether McLean would join him. Uh, he's He's been nothing other than an excellent signing for us. I think um, our fans should give him a bit more credit. Um, as you guys are doing right now, um, to be fair. I think that's certainly a very valid point on Kenny McLean that uh, a lot of people are perhaps looking to a future that they've mapped out for him and giving him a stick because of that. But our criticism has been based primarily, for me anyway, on, on not seeming to really get too involved in the business end of attacks. For a man that was playing in that number 10 role for a lot of last season, assists can be slightly misleading, but you know the, there are other statistical uh, numbers that come out that show that he doesn't really seem to get involved in goal-scoring opportunities or decent shot opportunities quite as often as you might like. Now, that can be partly explained by the way we played last season. Obviously, we played it wide very early in the first opportunity, and most of our chances would have come through a Niall McGinn, through a Johnny Hayes, both very dearly departed. But uh, And then maybe early in the move, you might think it might come from Ryan Jack playing it out wide, or it might come from the full-backs uh, Getting it further forward, so or even um, or even Ryan Christie or James Madison, you know we. Those I think guys. that as well as a, as, a, as a comparison point to Kenny McLean, it, it, again probably more attacking minded players probably left yeah. him a little bit in the shade. You're absolutely right. So I, I think that's where our criticism comes from here, uh, but we focus maybe a bit too much on assists. His numbers don't look great there, but it can be a bit misleading. But there's certainly. There was a bit this uh, earlier on this season where it showed basically that Graham Shinney was twice as involved in Aberdeen attacking moves as Kenny McLean was. And I, I think for me that that balance needed to be flipped. And I think with a formation that we now, as I say, stumbled across to a degree, I think that's a really good fit for Kenny McLean in that position. Totally agree. Yeah, I think... Um... While I don't disagree with you, I, I would like to see. I would like to have seen more from McLean um, in the last year or so. I still think that we um, have to keep it in perspective. He's he's earned and warrants his place in the team. We're a better team with him in it, by and large. Not in every game, obviously. Everyone has some dodgy ones. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm still super happy with his contribution in red. Um, and I think that. The fans could could be well advised to stay off his back because um, you know by no means is it certain that he's going this summer as well. You know it seems like we've all sort of concocted this scenario that he's off to Ibrox or he'll go to like um, Birmingham or you know an equivalent kind of English club. But there's nothing to suggest that he's been knocking back contract offers. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but certainly if he continues to play like he did on Saturday, you know, I'll, I'll defend him to the hilt. He was excellent. Absolutely agree, agree there. Um, no, I think on this podcast, I've certainly been, we were uh, we were quite critical. And partly we did mention a few weeks ago about the whole contract thing, um, where it, you know, 
if you're out of belief, sort of online talk and things like that, then his, his head's been kind of turned, and you can only hope that that isn't the case, because um, he is he is a good player, and uh, the, the side are certainly better with him in it. I never believe online talk, Martin. Ex- exactly. I never believe uh, what you hear on a podcast either. I was just I was just about to say that as well. Um, now Gary Mackay Stephen, of course, scores the goal. Um, now after his his recent exploits and all these headlines, and again we had a we had a bit of a pop at him on the last episode as well. Um, it was only right that he sort of stuck it in our faces, wasn't it, Richard? Uh, well, I spoke about Mackay Stephen earlier, and I think I wouldn't have been the only one that was a little bit surprised to see him come into the team. But you know, he's a man we spent money on in the summer. He's a man that Derek McInnes obviously has faith in. Uh, he wouldn't have been somebody that would have been top of my shopping list in the summer, granted. I thought he flattered to deceive, not just at Celtic, but well, at Dun United as well. I, I think what we saw was was obviously in that first half, you could see the confidence really start to flow through him after the goal. There was that uh, point where he, he does that lovely bit of skill to get away from the Hibs fullback, just catches yep. the ball uh, before it goes over the line, gets across in for Adam Rooney, who, who hooks the shot wide. So that is just a little bit of what he's capable of when his confidence is up, and we haven't really seen that so far in an Aberdeen shirt. I go back to his very first game, the home leg against uh, Siroki Brzeg, and he had that chance where he took it around the keeper but had the, had it blocked or couldn't find the finish. And I just wonder if uh, he'd put that away, he might have got off to more of a flying start. I think he's very much a confidence player. Now, after the game, there was quite a lot of accusations about Aberdeen, that Aberdeen were hammer throwers, quite dirty, that we played very defensively. Um, I think if you've, if you've seen the clip from... Um, the Hibs TV, the guy asked Neil Lennon how, what it was like to play against six centre-halves, which was sour grapes at its finest, I think. But on Saturday, I think I felt, uh, Chris, both sides gave as good as they got. I mean, I don't think it was a particularly dirty game, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I thought we were dirty, to be honest. I thought it was magic. Um, it's been it's been missing for a while. I thought there were three or four times when we did to Hibs exactly what Celtic do to us every time we play them. That's whenever we get the ball in that um, dangerous, you know, in the final third, they just bring us down, regroup, and trust their organisation that set pieces to defend. That's what we did to Hibs. Um, Anthony O'Connor uh, did it. Uh, who else did it? I'm blanking on the scenarios, Shinny, but there, there were definitely well. two or three. Shinny got booked as well. Yeah, Shinny did exactly the same. And I think Shea well. did similar ones um, early in the second half, too. My Hibs supporting mate um, was messaging me afterwards. Um, giving us some stick, and I totally copped to it. I, I agree that we were dirty, um, and it was magic. I wish we would do it more, to be honest. We were, and this town gets uh, pulled pulled about, but we were professional on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. And, um, exactly. We certainly weren't hammer throwers. I mean, we we got the ball down in the final third. Um, we created chances. We passed it right well. But yeah, when the time was when defensively when we needed to stop their momentum and regroup we did exactly that through fair means or foul but I think absolutely having having the wrong mentality can lead you into problems I I thought for 75 minutes we coped absolutely fine with the way Hibs were were playing Um, McGinn and uh, McGeer got a fair bit of the ball in midfield but weren't really creating a great deal they weren't getting it wide quick enough I think there were too often John McGinn just tried to do too much on, on his own, to be perfectly honest. Yep. Then we made, a, we made a change. We brought on Dominic Ball, and that necessitated a change in our formation, and the Hibs brought on Swanson at the same time. Swanson's yeah, a little bit more direct, 
but I can't help but think that it was also attributed to the way that we changed shape as well. Yeah, it's probably a bit of both. Um, I think Danny Swanson was a big, big difference for Hibbs. As soon as they got the ball to him, it made Shea have to defend more. And although Shea was excellent, you know, 8 out of 10 as always, he was, you know, he had a hard time in the last 15 against Swanson. Um, but yes, you, you might be right, to be honest. I, I, Dominic Ball has done little in red to, um, you know, to, to warrant a place in the team. But um, if if he's good enough for McInnes, then I trust him. You know, sometimes we do need to shore it up, and um, maybe Ball's the guy to do it. He's certainly kind of he's certainly unique in our squad. We don't have anyone like him, um, and I guess there's there's always room to have options. It, it wasn't so much the, the change in personnel from from my perspective, Keith uh, Christie. I think it was more the uh, the change in shape. And yep. the lack of a lack of a debate type ball. Now Stevie May was, as you rightly point out, goosed at that point. So a change yep. had to be made anyway. But I, I just felt that that was maybe just ceding a bit too much ground at that point in proceedings. But on the accusation, generally speaking, yeah, we were a bit more robust than we used to be. And you know, I remember earlier this year giving Motherwell have a lot of stick for their time wasting antics at Petardry when we beat them one nil. I, I think they were taking time over goal kicks from about the fifteenth minute. So it wasn't quite as extreme <laughs> as that. And I think, in fairness, having listened to Neil Lennon post-game, he he didn't gripe about that. He was actually a lot more even-handed than the Hibs Online uh, voices have been. Uh, they lost a game they probably expected to win. Of course there's going to be a fair degree of sour grapes in that. They've come up thinking that uh, they're just going to continue to show the form that they've shown in cup matches over the past couple of years. But, you know, they're finding it... They get punished for mistakes here. They can't uh, score goals quite as freely as they did last season. Having a big crowd and selling a lot of season tickets doesn't necessarily win you a lot of points. It was a very good win. It was a bit of a statement victory in a way, showing that you know this is a team who went to Ibrox and won, went to Celtic Park and got a result. Well, not likely who'd get something out of Hearts next week. An important three points, absolutely for us. To call hammer throws anti-football is nonsense because the best bit of football in the game. In fact, probably the best bit of football Easter Road will see this year was our goal. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely fair, but I, honestly, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to give us some stick because there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance between the hips that they think they are and the hips that they're seeing on the pitch. I mean, Neil Lennon's got some agent because he's um, he gets away with, like, everyone... In Scotland, like no one questions his ability. It's it's sort of accepted wisdom that he's an excellent manager. Yeah. I've not seen too much evidence of it, if I'm honest. Um, not to say he's not, but he gets a fairly easy ride of it. No one seems to be, um, you know, casting aspersions as to him start to the season, which has been thoroughly underwhelming. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll take our eleven hammer throwers any day if we. Perform like that. I thought we were excellent. But once again, I have to say it, it wasn't Lennon coming out of this. It, it was the. I mean, some of the tweets were ridiculous. Kind of, oh, you know, give Neil Lennon Derek McInnes's budget. I mean, come on. Do you think Anthony Stokes and Stephen Whitaker, for example, are, are playing there for bags of peanuts? I mean, they're on <laughs> good wages. They stole more season tickets than us. If it weren't for European football, they'd probably have a pretty similar turnover to us. But of course, they've come up and they've lost a game they really thought they were going to win. This is to be expected. We'd no doubt be in exactly the same boat if the roles were reversed. Absolutely. I would. It, 
if we if they did to us what we did to them, I I would be laying into the two. I think um, I don't think their fans have done too much wrong on this one. Just a bit sour grapes. Yeah, I think they've. I think part of it comes from the fact that they saw Hearts come up and do relatively well, um, and they want to. I think the, the rivalry sees them want to probably beat that, and there was they did. I mean, for some reason they were talking about that they were going to be the second the second team in the country coming up, which which was um, which is ambitious. Um, for all I'm saying, that Neil Lennon spoke pretty even handedly after oh, the yeah. game. Oh, coming, coming out with that back in March, April was just a nonsense. I mean, that was pandering to his crowd. That was nothing more than that. You would, I, I don't think you'd hear Derek McInnes say that sort of thing. In fact, you'd hear very few managers say that sort of thing. Because it is just going to blow up in your face. Yeah, definitely. Christine, I want to ask you, obviously, you're the, you're the psychologist among us. Um, so, <laughs> team, like, teams have roughed, Aber- roughed Aberdeen up before, and we've, we've been quite kind of critical of the team, saying that maybe we're a bit too nice, that we don't have an edge. Um, this team, and this, that, this 11 and the squad, in fact, they don't, they don't look, and I don't want to say they were mentally weak before, because that would be unfair, but they don't look like they're the kind of side that will buckle. There's physical players in there, you know, guys who are, who are, like a Stevie May, who is, you know, he's not a shrinking violet. Um, it's compared to even last season where we had you know, smaller guys who were perhaps more skillful on the ball. Uh, we look a lot tougher than we've been, don't we? We do, we do but I think that, um, I, I, I don't know how to put this, I take issue a little bit with the, with the premise, not your premise, Martin, but just this uh, idea that we needed to be more solid. Like I, I don't think that was necessarily the case in recent seasons. We We've been outplaying and beating almost every team in the league consistently yeah. for years. We don't need to get involved in the physical battle. That's kind of look. If we try and take St Johnston on physically, man for man, or Hearts man for man, we're playing them at their game and we're entering their territory that way. And they'll be better at it than us because they do it every week. We're I, I just don't, I, and I'm not saying this is your guys saying this, but you know you see it a lot online and hear a lot from friends that. We need to be more physical. I don't think we've necessarily needed it. I do agree that this season we need to be a bit more physical. The league's that bit tougher, um, not necessarily physically, but just in terms of quality. I think it's a good, strong league in terms of quality this season. And so we need more options. But for the last few years, our plan A, which is just to outplay everyone, has been plenty good enough apart from the Celtic games. Um, And the reality is in the Celtic games, it's not physicality that's beating us. It's just that they they just have endless quality players, and they just had that bit more than us. I think I asked the question because uh, since we've been doing this podcast and since the whole the by the minute feed's been running, one of the things that keeps cropping up, and usually it's after a draw or a defeat, to be fair, is that the Aberdeen side need a basically a bastard. Yeah, and, and I'm, not having, I'm <laughs> not having no, it. We, Rich, Richard, myself, and Grant have sort of went back and forth till we're blue in the face about it. Whether you know whether it is a, ne- a necessity for this Aberdeen team. Yeah, I mean, why? Why do we need one when we're like look at last season? Look at we were given almost every team in the league are doing. Why? Why you know race to the bottom that way? I just I don't think we've needed it at all. Um, why sacrifice like a, a Niall McGinn or a James Madison or someone like that for a hammer thrower? It's, it's. I, I agree. You know, theoretically, there's always room for balance in a squad, but we've got. I mean, we got some big, solid guys in there. Even guys like 
Anto O'Connor, you know, he's, he's a nasty bugger, shinny, etc. It's not like we're a soft touch. Um, and, yeah, I, I've just not really seen the need for it this season. Absolutely, and I think McInnes has addressed it. Um, the, the other part of it is, just in terms of squad, um, just in terms of use of funds, simply, you know, are we, are we really going to allocate money for an inferior player just because he's got a bit more dig to him. I know the fans love it, and I'm not like trying to um, dismiss the idea. I just I don't think we'd need that. I don't think we've been challenged enough by the rest of the league to, to warrant spending a chunk of our budget on a bastard. But I think it's almost happened this season by default that we've mm-hmm. gone to a situation with Anthony O'Connor protecting the centre-halves as he is and it was hugely effective against Motherwell and against, Hib- uh, against St. Johnson, rather, because he was given specific jobs to not only sit there and shield, but also do a bit of a man-marking job on yep. uh, Louis Moult and Stephen McLean. Guys with a, with a physique quite similar to him, uh, Moult a little bit more mobile, but still does a lot of good work in the air and so on. So that worked really, really effectively against those te- two teams. Didn't work quite so effectively against Anthony Stokes on... Saturday, I felt, and you're definitely sacrificing a bit of ball playing ability, a bit of uh, uh, passing capacity in that midfield by playing him there as opposed to someone else. But I think we've had to return to a much more solid base because of what happened at Muddle, and indeed the games before that, the draw against Kilmarnock, the game against Dundee, where we were very lucky, lucky to pick up three points. Yeah. I, and I, I think there's been some blessings in disguise and, you know, you're Andy Constantine getting injured. Graham Shinney's gone back to left back. He's able to provide a bit more balance, a bit more support and drive to that midfield when necessary. He can come in from left back. So I think it's a little bit of a happy... Um, oh, what's the word for a happy coincidence? I forget again. Um, <laughs> never mind. I think it's been... Happy coincidence? That will do in the time being. I think, yeah, I think we've been a little bit fortunate to arrive at this tactical setup, which appears to have cracked what we the best we can get from our squad. Yeah, yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, I'm delighted that this season we have the depth to be able to be a bit more solid. Um, last season, I honestly can't think of many games when we needed to be more solid. You could maybe look at the Celtic games, but again, we, we set up to give ourselves the best chance to win those games, and the best chance to win those games comes from getting our quality players on the ball. Um, yeah, so we've, we've been a bit fortunate, um, as you say, with the way that um, the squad has, has kind of panned out, uh, with Constantine's injury, um, let Shinny go to fullback, but um, yeah, the way the, the team is set up right now, particularly with McKenna in there, I mean, we, we look like, I just think we look excellent right now. Serendipity, that's the word. Serendipity. <laughs> there he goes. Glad but, we got closure on that one. It, it would have bugged me for tonight, but I, I tell you, this is reminding me slightly of two years ago when he toyed with playing Goodwillie and Rooney up front, and we were really expansive and really open and we went to Dens Park and won 3-2 and we were scoring 4s and 3s for the next few weeks. And then I think we, I can't remember, we went to, was it Hamilton we went to and got scudded yeah. 3-0? Yeah. 
and that was the end of that. We again just went back to basics, a much more solid base. So it's reminding me a little bit more, a little bit of that. And I guess with the additions this summer, they were mostly attacking players. So it was inevitable that we'd probably start with a with a more attacking feel to the side this year. But yeah, I think circumstances have meant that he's just gone back to to basics almost. Yeah, we've just got a really nice balanced squad now, and we've not had to sack because of the money we brought in. We've not had to sacrifice um, numbers, thankfully. Definitely, that's the well. That was the Hibs game. Um, extends our league form to nine games, seven wins, two draws, and most importantly, no defeats. Which we'll we'll come to back to the the next game in a few minutes. We're going to discuss a couple other things right now. Now, Richard, um, we'll lead off with this one. You posted up some stats on the Twitter feed uh, last night um, about win percentages. Um, which led to a little bit of talk about success and you know what is class what is classed as success. So uh, we've mentioned before, and Derek McInnes has said, so we've discussed it that he wants to build an era of success at Aberdeen. Um, so the first question I would ask is, what would what makes a successful era in the modern era of Scottish football? Well, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Ultimately, what fans remember, what is going to be on the honours board, uh, unless your hearts. Are winning trophies. <laughs> and it's very, very tough in the environment in Scotland these days to win a trophy. Even cups, I mean, the gulf is such that Celtic can put a reserve team in a League Cup match against other Premier League teams and expect to win it 4 or 5 0, as they did against Kilmarnock earlier in the season. Um, yes, you can beat Celtic in a one off game, and I would still back us to give it our best shot in that scenario. But, you know, to actually get to meeting Celtic, you've still got to come up against and beat. Uh, you know, you could have a real nightmare draw or you could just come up against a team on you on an off night and they're flying like we did against Motherwell a few weeks ago. Um, so, winning trophies is difficult. It's always been difficult, but it, it's particularly difficult now because you're, you're looking at a golf and finances Way beyond, well, Alex Ferguson, for example, had could go out and match anybody pound for pound in spending. Ferguson allegedly was one of the highest paid managers in Britain when he was here at Pataudry as well. So, so he never had that to deal with. But yeah, we put out some stats yesterday. It was it was um, calendar year uh, win percentages. Now people don't in football look at things in calendar years for very valid reasons but it's something we've been tracking here obviously the the current season is too much in its infancy to uh to tell you too much else but we've won 10 from 15 games this season which is 66 percent obviously we won 64 percent last season but they were back-ended so we're currently sitting on 71 percent of games won in 2017 and as it happens and there's plenty of time for these numbers to go to the dogs that's the second highest in our history, beyond, well, as you'd probably know that expect, 1983 is top. Uh, we won 75% of our games that year. Uh, we scored 145 goals in 1983. Uh, it truly was some year. But is that by itself enough? The fact that Derek McInnes' side and Derek McInnes himself is posting some numbers which we haven't seen at Pataudry since Alex Ferguson. Are people going to look back that fondly on an era which basically was one cup win, one on penalty kicks, if that tends, if that is the eventual outcome? Obviously, I'd love to be sat here in May with a Scottish Cup win and, and, and we've somehow won the league. That would be amazing. But 
is it enough to say we've won a hell of a lot of games but we haven't actually won any trophies? Clearly, it's been a joy to watch this Aberdeen side over the past couple of years and it will be a joy for as long as Dan McInnes is here, I'm sure. He's just, he gets this team. He gets what is required to have success with this team, I think. Won't necessarily do it in every single game, as again, we've seen with more Motherwell earlier this season. But even within McInnes himself, isn't it going to be a bit of disillusionment that he can post these numbers but still not look like winning? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's it's going to be measured by trophies, isn't it? It's, um, I think we will look back fondly on these years. There's a lot of players who are so um, likeable. Uh, we've, we've really got, certainly, and I was born in 1983, so this is the best squad that, you know, of my adult life, for sure. I mean, we've got a really good squad, but... Um, if he were to leave us tomorrow and we were to regress to, you know, the where we were, like the Craig Brown era or whatever, I think we would kick ourselves. I think we would look back at a lot of opportunities missed. I think we would consider it a, um, not necessarily a failure of an era, but um, a, a what-if kind of era. Uh, one trophy, of course, that's, that's the bare minimum it to be considered a successful era um, but if we don't if we don't double down on that, if we don't at least lock up one more under McInnes um, I think it will be tinged with a lot of regret I think last year accepted the um, division of cups in Scotland was perhaps the source of regret 2014 that really should have been a cup double that year. I think uh, the St Johnston defeat was a very, very bad defeat. Uh, I think they probably got off with it in terms of uh, Bittardry opinion because we were still in the afterglow of winning the League Cup, but yeah, that really yeah. should have been a double cup year. And that would have been that would have been remembered because that would, in our history, that would have been right up there, absolutely. And again, I think just even doing that would have given the squad greater belief when it came to you know, the league in the following years against Ronnie Delia's Celtic, where it was still going to be a huge ask. I think Celtic still, I need to check the numbers, but I'm sure Celtic still ended up with 90 plus points both season. And for an Aberdeen team to do that without the without the massive, massive financial golf against most of the other teams, it's, it's hard. It's hard to have that consistency. We've done incredibly well to build that consistency, but you're still expecting a great deal if uh, yeah if you're looking at us for hit, to hit 92 86 points those were the tallies that Celtic won a league um, in 2014 at 15 and 2015-16 you know we achieved a record last year on 76 and we didn't lose that many games and um, we lost all the head-to-heads last year that, that obviously hurt us and helped their total but as things stand right now and things can change pretty quickly in football you're almost writing off the league, and unlike other leagues in Europe, there's nothing here for finish. No real tangible benefit, anyway, for finishing second. Sure, you get a European place, but it's in the back end of the qualifiers, starting in late June. I, I hate to make this a negative-sounding piece because we should be celebrating what are some phenomenal numbers that he's built up in his time in charge. But I don't know. It, it can. It's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, there's there's also that element of, and I, I hate the phrase, but um, you know, fans' expectations. The reality is that 
um, five years ago or whenever McInnes took charge four years ago, we would have been delighted with where we are now oh, yeah, and yeah. the journey we've had under him. It's been an incredible ride. But we've levelled up since then um, and we demand more and I think that's to be embraced. I don't think that's anything to be uh, feared and I think the players know it. I think the players really um, appreciate the opportunity they've got, like recognise the opportunity they've got to make themselves true legends and um, you won't get that by finishing second. Um, you get a pat on the back and it's, I'd still rather finish second than um, third all the way down to 12 but it's not enough for it to be considered a, a true um, unmitigated success I think if you look at his domestic cup record there, the defeats haven't there's never been a horrendous defeat it's, a, it's been to other Premier League uh, Premiership clubs and it's usually yeah. been away from home um, or there's been the, the semi-final defeats to St Johnson and Dundee United yeah. All of them yeah. winnable games, but none of them horrific defeats in the style which we've become horribly accustomed to over the uh, couple of decades before that. Perhaps, and again, we've never gone out, apart from against Kyvat, we've never gone out to a side seeded below us. Perhaps his regret might be in Europe. And perhaps, um, you know, four years now going out to the third qualifying round... It's an incredibly difficult thing to do to qualify for the group stages. We know this, and it only gets harder next year. But perhaps if Derek McInnes was looking at things, that might be his one regret. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think although um, winning a trophy would be better than making the group stages, um, making the group stages is at least on a par with finishing second in the league. I think it would be um, a fantastic achievement. And we've had the opportunities to do it. Yeah. Uh, that's the really frustrating thing. We've not been a million miles away. But then, by the same token, maybe this is just our level. Maybe this is kind of where we're at, just not quite good enough to, to make that step up. Who knows? And we'll see how it plays out next season. There's always next season. Plus, we're going to win the league this season. So. Yeah, yeah, we are. That's a, that's a way to end the segment on a really positive note. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you don't you don't enter any competition without with the belief that you can't win it. So, um, league and Scottish Cup double will do for me. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Really regret not winning the treble. Wouldn't I? Really <laughs> oh, yeah. regret the Motherwell game. Well, really, yeah. That'll be that'll be the the, the straw that breaks Derek McInnes's back when when he's hounded out of the club because we missed out on the treble. <laughs> now, as we record this on Monday night, Monday night, um, the news came out earlier today that Scott Wright had extended his Aberdeen contract until the summer of twenty twenty one. Stating the obvious here and going back to the era discussion, um, it is obvious, it is important that. Talented youngsters want to stay at the club because you know, the money that's in Scottish football, the, the way that Aberdeen are going to improve is by bringing through young players who will, in turn, get us towards winning trophies, Richard. Well, it's another criticism that got labelled at McInnes. Um, you know, I think we always need something to moan at. And um, obviously, the, the, I think the no plan B one has uh, completely bitten the dust. Should have bitten it. Should never have started. But I think that's now completely gone. So they don't have that. But um, the, uh, the no progression of youth, and it's it's partly valid, but it's also because the guys coming through haven't been good enough, and the, you can see that by what they've subsequently gone on to do in their careers, which is not very much. Um, you need to have that ability, and that ability level is a lot, lot higher than it was five years ago. 
the squad has improved year on year on the Derek McInnes, and, and that's to his credit. People talk about him having a much bigger budget than his predecessor. He does now, yeah, but that's because he's been successful. It's because he's made cup finals, he's won cups, he's got a second in the league. That's why he's now got a bigger budget, because our turnover is bigger. When he came in in 2013-14, he was no doubt operating on a very similar budget to Craig Brown, but made two very important signings that close season and was able to build on that and obviously win the cup and finish third. In short, breaking through as a youngster now is, is much harder than it would have been under Craig Brown or under Mark McGee. And um, he's been right, I think proven right retrospectively, not to pick these players just because they are young, because there can be that tendency as well. I think what um, Scott McKenna has proved is that... Um, you know, you give some players a chance and they can surprise you. They can go on and they can really, really impress and contribute. And Scott Wright, a lot of people were calling him for to get a, a much greater opportunity last season and that only intensified uh, after his hat-trick against Partick Thistle at the end of last season. And uh, it's been good to see this season him getting a lot more game time. I think, again, the challenge is, for, is now for Scott. The challenge is for him to... Uh, make himself indispensable to the side and become a first-team regular. And as things stand at the moment, I think there's a place there if he's, if he's willing to put his hand up and willing to, to um, reach that target. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Richard. I think um, Scott Wright, it's, it's there for the taking. Um, if he wants it, the, the, the barrier to entry is a lot lower for the young guys this season. Uh, if you think about last season, we had a very, very settled back four was, I mean, I was no, I, Ash and Reynolds were not without their flaws, but ultimately um, we weren't conceding goals, so McInnes couldn't really drop them even if he wanted to. Um, so the barrier to entry is a lot lower this season. Um, last season, right, just there's no chance he's going to usurp. Um, McGinn and Hayes it just wasn't going to happen as evidenced by the fact that he scored a hat-trick and then was back on the bench the next week for the cup final uh, this season these guys have the opportunity and now it's on them I think this is the thing that some fans um, don't really kind of acknowledge enough is that all McInnes can really do is, is train them give them the opportunity and hope that they take it guys like Cam Smith uh, it was it was a wee bit frustrating um, how much our fans, you know, really a, a lot of them were really um, hounding McInnes to, to give Cammy more of a run, but Cammy didn't warrant it. He just didn't warrant it. Um, he was a long way behind the likes of um, even Peter Pollock, who was by no means a first pick in the last couple of seasons. Uh, Kenny McLean, he was miles behind him, and. Of course, we, we will never really know what would have happened if he got a good run in the team, but in the opportunities he had, he didn't do enough, didn't make enough of them. Um, right this season and last season seems to have taken decent advantage of them, and no doubt he'll be back in the team soon, because McInnes does like to rotate his front players this season, and I like to see him um, continue to continue to make the most of it. I'd actually, I know we're going to talk about the the Celtic game in a little bit, but I'd, I'd be inclined to start Scott Wright in that game. Uh, he reminds me a lot 
of Peter Pollitt, albeit um, he plays further wide, but I love his directness. I love how he likes to pick up the ball deep. He's always looking for it, and he just likes to get his head down and run. And you can see defenders looking terrified. I think that's a rare and precious commodity in a footballer. Um, he's he strikes me as okay, um, maybe not quite at that level yet, but somewhere between Paula and Ryan Fraser, they broke into the team. I've uh, got really high hopes for Scott Wright. I think he's going to be a great player for us. Well, now that you mentioned that there, Chris, we'll move on to the Celtic game. It's a hype mode activated, I suppose we could say. So, um, it's the battle of the top two clubs in Scotland. Um, we've, as it stands today, we've there's over seventeen thousand tickets sold. Uh, so it's going to be, and it's you no know, nine days before the game, whatever. It's going to be a big atmosphere at the at the stadium. Ryan Christie, as we mentioned earlier, obviously can't play. So the the million dollar question, Richard, is who takes his place. Well, I'm hoping that Tansy's fit, to be perfectly honest, because I really believe that that would be an ideal um, place for him to play. As part of that, too, alongside Kenny McLean, I think that allows him to uh, sit in the middle of the park. He's got cover behind him. He doesn't really have to do the the nasty legwork. But what Tansy specialised at Cali Thistle was breaking the lines, getting to the edge of the box, getting a shot away. And I would like to, to see him stick a claim for that place. I think there's also a question mark about whether he'll pick both Rooney and May to start against Celtic. I think it's probable that he will go with just Stevie May, with perhaps Guy McKay-Steven and and Scott Wright at either side. Um, And then it might be Greg Stewart stroke Greg Tanzi in midfield. But it's hard to second-guess at the moment, because it could be that Andy Constantine comes back at the left-back, and he puts Shinny into that midfield spot. Uh, there's a few permutations that he's got available to him. What I don't think will change, however, is that uh, central defence of uh, three. I think you kind of have to call it at the moment because it comes as a unit, even though they're not all playing centre-half. Almost the key to our success, really, is, to, is keeping Celtic as quiet as we can next Wednesday. I think that's fair enough. We've had, we've had some success, Christy, against them in the past um, by playing... Playing slightly more attacking, you know, it's came from moments of magic from guys like Johnny Hayes. So this is this is the perfect opportunity for someone to to stick their name in lights, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Scott Wright is who I'd be picking because he's the, there's a certain um, fearlessness that comes through not having participated in, in this kind of game too many times before. There are certain guys, and uh, like nothing against Andy Considine, I think he's a, a very good player. I think that his struggles against Celtic have been overstated. I think it's um, mainly comes down to the fact that he's played almost every game against Celtic for a decade or whatever. So he's had many opportunities and many, many bad Aberdeen teams to look you know, to, to not look too good. Um, but by and large, he does well against them in a, in a very difficult gig. But um, someone like Considine, who's been burned a few times, I don't know, I, I'd bring Scott right in, I'd bring that freshness and let him off the leash. And um, I, I think, yeah, it takes a moment of inspiration, as you said, Martin, to beat Celtic um, or that bit of luck. And... Um, I think you, you need to get the direct players on the ball. You've got to um, attack the, their um, c- central defence to full-back channels where they're at their weakest. And uh, Scott Wright and Gary McKay-Steven 
um, while lacking consistency, they certainly have the ability to do it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the Rooney quandary, by the way. Um, I, it's, it's very difficult to drop someone with his record. Um, I, I, I see the arguments both ways. Certainly in full agreement with you there um, that about the Celtic defence. I mean, it's it's been for the last sort of four years, it's been their weakness. Um, it's something we've identified before on here, isn't it, Richard? That that's where the, where the, we can we can get at them and we can hurt them. Um, we're attacking wise, we're a different prospect this season, obviously, because we're missing. We don't have the same two two the more, the more attacking players from last season. But if we're going to get anything from the game, it's by exploiting what is a fairly weak central defensive partnership they've got, isn't it? Well, I think there's also some stats about we haven't kept a clean sheet against Celtic for about yeah. 1,064 games or something like that. So, so of course, we're going to need to uh, score, no doubt, more than once to uh, to get something out of this. And I think in common with most teams in world football right now, yeah, there's, there's a bit of a drought of quality defenders and, and Celtic have definitely not strengthened in that area over the summer and um, I just I think you have to take McInnes' slightly natural caution into account and thinking of that I think it probably will be constantly at left back and Shinny joining McLean ahead of um, O'Connor um, and yeah I think it probably will just be I think it will be May possibly right and Mackay Stephen but you know I think this Aberdeen team this squad Trying to second guess them isn't as easy as it was when he kept the same team nine games running last season. So, I think one thing's for sure as well is that um, if he's fit and if he plays, the, by the way we played on Saturday against Hibs and that we identified earlier, um, Scott Brown's not going to like that, is he, Christy? No, certainly not. <laughs> uh, which is always great to see. Um, the, the, the thing with Brown, actually, I think. Um, uh, it pains me to say it, but the difference in him as a player since Brandon Rogers has come in is unbelievable. He actually looks like a footballer now, rather than just like a, a ankle biter um, and who would get away with murder. Um, he, he's a really, really good player these days, um, and I'd love to see us get in his face. But the reality is um, that he loves that. He thrives on that. So. Again, I try not to. If someone's especially good at something, I I tend to favour not going toe to toe with them. <laughs> if they're super experienced and super good at it, I, I try to um, find a, a workaround. And I think our best bet generally is to not. Although the fans love it, of course, but generally um, getting into a hard man battle with Scott Brown uh, it doesn't um, play out too well for you. So I think. Um, I don't think we'll be trying to pass it through the centre too much anyway. I think it will be get it out wide, which is why I think um, Wright and Mackay Stephen will get the nod. Now, we don't have a game until then. Celtic, of course, have got FC Bayern in the Champions League and Hibs in the League Cup before next Wednesday. Um, both different prospects, of course, um, but both will definitely be pretty tough games for them, though, won't they? Bayern on Wednesday, obviously, they've not had the troubles to seek, uh, but they're still... No doubt going to give Celtic a bit of a chasing, one would imagine. And um, yeah, the League Cup game, Hibs will go there with... Uh, I think Hibs, and we touched on this last time we were on the podcast, Hibs will, against Celtic and Rangers, adopt a, a much more 
uh, abrasive uh, attitude than most other teams in Scotland will. They will go out there from manager down believing that they can win, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, that could mean that they, it goes horribly wrong for them, and Celtic have a very easy afternoon exploiting them and picking them off early. Or it could be that we get a game that goes to extra time and goes all the way, which would obviously be music to our ears. Following slightly kindly for us, because obviously the fixture list initially had us going to Ibrox this Saturday. So I, I think it's a good thing that those two games aren't back-to-back. It means, obviously, we've got uh, the Rangers home and away within the space of four days at the beginning of December. Uh, that'll take care of itself when it comes around, but I, I think it's, it's definitely a bonus for us not to have uh, that game immediately before our Celtic game, in which it's not going to be season-defining. But I do think if we can even just avoid defeat, I think it will go a long way to uh, telling us how, how it's going to pan out. Yeah, can you imagine the boost um, that the the Dons players will get when we beat Celtic next week? I just think it'll be fantastic. Um, it'll really set us up nicely. I'm not a fan of the, um, all the respect that Celtic seem to get in all quarters, uh, from the media to opposing fans, etc. Like, we're the best place team to beat them, um, and I think it's our duty to do it. I think we need to step up um, and give them a just take the game to them, beat them. Why not? Well, it would be huge. Of course, it would be huge. It would be their long domestic and beating record gone as well. So, I, I think there are signs this season, and this is a very dangerous thing to say because um, <laughs> what will inevitably occur after I say this will be a three or four nil home defeat next week. But there are signs this season that uh, this uh, and invulnerability that they've had domestically is threatening to come to an end you know there was the home draw against St Johnston, they've um, had another draw in the league They uh, even on Saturday they, they kind of struggled their way past Dundee albeit with a slightly changed team so you just feel there's maybe that bit of almost exhaustion that mental exhaustion that comes with trying to protect this uh, long unbeaten run and um, absolutely if, it, if anyone's going to do it it should be us I hope it's us, and um, you know I believe in this in the squad of players that uh, they can deliver next Wednesday. But that said, I think even avoiding defeat next Wednesday is still not a bad outcome for us. Yeah, that's fair, um, but we'll win, so it's all good. <laughs> and with that, with that absolute ray of positivity, I believe we'll win as well. I don't think I think we'll have to draw tonight's podcast at close. You always <laughs> believe we'll win, Martin. Exactly. We. Can, we 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 can't be we can't be any more positive than that. I always believe we'll win. Uh, we'll have a the game's live on BT Sport next Wednesday. If you can't get to the game, um, we'll have a minute by minute on the on the feed for feed on the website for you. Um, if you if you download this podcast, please make, like and rate and leave a review for us as well. We want your feedback. If you disagree with anything we've said tonight, let us know. We want no, we want to hear back from you. Um, especially Richard. Richard likes debating with people online. Um, that all leaves for me to say thank you very much for listening. I want to thank Richard Hay for joining me again. Thank you, Richard. Cheers, Martin. Um, thank our guest, Christy Keenan. It's always a pleasure, Christy. Cheers, Jan. Thanks very much. Right. Right. I've been Martin Clunas. Uh, next Wednesday, come on, you Reds. Thanks for listening.